right. Um, <clears throat> I had some other things planned uh, this morning. So this morning I woke up and I, I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to do for class this morning? Because I don't have a podcast guest yet. And there was probably there was probably eight or ten different things that I thought of. Uh, but I came up here and I actually thought I'm going to set it up for the podcast. I was going to set the room up completely differently as well. And we were going to use the dry erase board and do some brainstorming on the Advent season and waiting because that's where we are right now and those kind of things. And then I thought as I came up here, I thought some somebody will that I, I, I believe somebody will reveal themselves to be on the podcast this morning. <laughs> and initially I asked my wife and she said, I've already been interviewed before. We did some interviews back this summer as well. They weren't recorded. She said, she said, but I'll be happy to fill in. So I said, great. So we're actually on our way up to class, right? <laughs> and we're about to walk up here. And Julie says, I want to introduce you to somebody. So we have a visitor in our class this morning. And so we introduced ourselves, and she said, we have this great podcast uh, that he does and you're describing this and everything. And I turned to you and I said, Julie, do you want to be on the podcast this morning? I love having so much heads up time. <laughs> it's wonderful. And I could see the wheels spinning in your mind when I asked you. And, and you said, yes, yeah, I'll come up there and do that sure. as well, which speaks volumes about you in lots of different ways, Julie. So I just kind of want to, I want to first, your, your first question, you have zero questions ahead of time. I mean, that is, that is clearly the case in this yes. point. But in a second, what I want you to do is, is try your best to succinctly explain to us what you do for this church. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to set that up for you a bit. All, all right? right. So you can think about it first and I'll try to talk okay. a little, I'll try to give you a question, talk a little bit so you can think about it since you don't have the questions ahead of time. But I'll tell you, uh, I asked that question because I cannot do that. I cannot succinct, succinctly explain to people what you do for this church. I only tell people she's everywhere. She I'm not seems sure I to can be do it everywhere all the time doing so much. And so for our listener that's listening right now, um, Julie has this unbelievable way of finding needs and meeting needs in and around our church community. That's about as succinctly as I could say and does it with such care and organization and all kinds of stuff as well not only that she's got an unbelievably beautiful family her and adolfo as well mm -hmm. so all right so julie what do you do for woodmont well my title is caring minister <laughs> all and... other duties as necessary <laughs> all yes. needs. Yeah, that's right. um, my job description is kind of put into some different sections so i handle uh, benevolence for the church, mm -hmm. where it comes in the meeting needs, mm -hmm. both of our church family and the community. So I'm kind of our liaison to a lot of our community partners in that role also. So that looks like Whitsit Elementary School and Room in the Inn and Hope Clinic for Women. And um, outside of that, another sort of hat that I wear is taking care of our immigrant and refugee ministry. So we mentor newly resettled refugees and are working alongside of them in partnership for about six months after they land here in Nashville. Actually, um, Andrew Fay and a couple other mentors went to the airport to greet a family over the weekend wow. um, and got to settle them in at a hotel where they were staying for the first couple nights as they, um, the resettlement agency got a new house prepared for them. So pretty exciting stuff. 
Um, the third role is pastoral care for our church family and looking at ways that we can incorporate service in our church family's life and taking care of one another. That was fabulous. And <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that question because I that made so much sense, the way you categorized that as well. All right, I'm going to ask you in a second, what's the hardest part of your job? And the reason I want to ask that question is because any one of those things that you mentioned takes lots of volunteers, takes lots of logistics. Mm -hmm. There are lots of random needs that come up. Any one project, probably you never, it, it's never an outline of exactly how this is going to be taken care of either. Yeah. And you seem to continue to bring a sense of care, but also a bit of a joy to this very complicated ministries <laughs> and works that are all out there as well. well I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> what's the what's the hardest? It won't be the last time I compliment you this morning. <laughs> what's the hardest part about putting your hands around all of those moving parts and all of those warm bodies as um, well? I think that answer is twofold. Okay. So on the one hand, the logistics can be tricky because sometimes I have things or people that need to be in places and I have to figure out the logistics of how to get point A to point B. Mm -hmm. And that might be a refugee who has a dental appointment or a bed that's been donated and has no way to be transported. So some of the logistics of making caring happen yep. are, are one of the challenging bits yep. um, because that does involve recruiting volunteers. And a lot of our church members are amazingly involved in the, the activities of this congregation. And that means that their bandwidth is often very small. Yes. So I don't have a core group of caring minister, caring ministry volunteers to yep. like draw from. So I'm drawing from everybody in the whole congregation yep. all the time. Yep. Um, so Clay delivered a, a little house to a refugee family last week, or two weeks ago, cool. I think. And um, I've gotten a picture of the little girl just thrilled with this house that I will share with them. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's cool like to be able to, to make some of that happen. The other layer to that is kind of the emotional burden that you mm -hmm. carry when you carry a lot of people's stories mm -hmm. and you sit with a lot of people in hard places. Well, let me just let me just rephrase that. Let me not rephrase it, but but emphasize it for our listener real okay. quick, because I love how you took my question of what's challenging about the job into two different categories. One is just logistics of urgent needs that come up mm -hmm. and connections and who's available and who's not and all that kind of stuff. But I love how you said the emotional toll it seems to take by carrying other people's stories. All right, so yeah. to go ahead and fill that out for us a little bit. I really like sure. that. Sure. Um, I love hearing about people and knowing their stories. So I ask a lot of questions. I try to be curious about people. I think that when you can invest in someone in that way, it allows them to open up and be more vulnerable and share who they are with you. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the moments where we meet Jesus the mm -hmm. most. So... Whew. <laughs> so when I say carrying other people's stories, um, I, I have phone calls that come in to the church and it's hard stories and this is happening in my life or in the life of my family and we really need help and the help could look like this or that. But I've, I've been able to share a moment with that person, speak a prayer over them about the things that they're going through. And um, that 
is a beautiful thing that really and truly God prepared me for over a lot of years doing mission work and teaching me to have healthy boundaries, <laughs> which um, at one point which I was... you've completely figured out now, right? <laughs> yeah. You've got it completely I... figured out. You oh, are, no, of course, captain right. captain healthy boundaries at this point. <laughs> it's a work in progress. <laughs> but yeah, I love knowing people's stories and I love being able to meet somebody at one of those vulnerable places and bring in a little bit of compassion and love and prayer for them. Yeah. It, it really does make you unbelievable at the job that you do, both being able to have such a, a unique skill set for logistics and volunteerism and what this can do. I've seen you at times move very intentionally into projects to ensure we're not just giving out things, but we truly are helping in a sustainable way and all right. that kind of stuff as well. But then a unique ability to desire and want to carry stories as well and be a mm-hmm. part of people's stories. Um, so to real quick to our sound engineer uh, who does this every time we have these interviews somewhere along the way we find out what is the title of this podcast going to be so I think we've definitely I think we've definitely discovered it this idea of carrying other stories mm-hmm. uh, I think is really unique to who you are uh, in some of those ways so I have lots of questions related to that oh, we'll cool. open it up to our audience for a second <laughs> but first I want to dig into where does that come from in you because and and so you mentioned some mission trips and those kind of things, but mm-hmm. take us back to some inflection points when you were an adolescent or something like that uh, <laughs> that come to mind in regards to what led you to this point where carrying other stories is something that brings you enthusiasm. As you think about that, that's not true for everybody, right? Yeah. How many of us in the room and to our listener right now, getting involved in messy stories is exhausting to you? Anybody? Uh <laughs> I would say that's true. There's research and literature that says most people don't get involved in needs that are out there because it's just too messy. Mm -hmm. And it never seems to end as well when we get involved with people that are in need as well. But you do carry that somehow and you you see it through as well so where does that come from give us some inflection points i'm just a big ball of warm fuzzy mush (laughs) (laughs) that's a good description and i've been that way my whole life that's the title (laughs) that's the title disregard what i just said (laughs) um even as a high schooler, I I had like 16-year-old boys telling me when I was 14 that I was not dateable, but I was marriage material. And and it's what? because I was going around and taking care of kids in my youth group and like they saw these things in me that I resented at that age. I was like, "Dang it." That's awesome. Um, but like I I don't know, it was just it's one of it's a way maybe a personality thing it's some I have great parents that helped I don't know push me to do things I was good at maybe maybe didn't push me hard enough to do things I wasn't good at (laughs) um so I just as long as I can remember have have been a big feeler and so I've loved being a part of people's stories and I've loved You know, we had a family move to my church when I was like 14 and my friend was probably 12. And I wrote in my journal that day that this girl, Nadia, was probably going to be one of my best friends Mm -hmm. the day I met her. Mm -hmm. And she introduced me to my husband and I introduced her to hers. Like, 
it was the Holy Spirit speaking and my little 14 year old self had no idea. But like there's been this like theme in my life of looking at people and having a sense and you know, I'm an Enneagram too. So I'm like a big feeler. I'm a ENFP on the Myers-Briggs. Yeah, you got so, all the, all the right Yeah, types. like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've learned a whole lot about myself through the process of years and years. Um, in college, I was doing everything I could to be involved in service. And I helped start a service club at Lipscomb and just loved serving people and helping people out because it, it's rewarding. It's yeah. so rewarding for your own spiritual life to be able to do that. Yep. All right. I've got two questions. And if, if anybody has a question, make sure you raise your hand so I can, so I can get you. But uh, one is, one is not very deep and one is deep. Okay. okay. As you, as I hear you talk, one is, I want you to just tell us a little bit about your amazing family, you and Adolfo and the kids that have so much very good energy. That's what I'm, that's how I'm going to say. <laughs> the, the energy that your family has that brings you in is, is just so much fun. In fact, I saw one of your kids being chased through the lobby <laughs> this yes. morning uh, at church, actually, yes. uh, which is great, right? That's uh, fantastic. Tell us about that. And then the other thing I, that may take a little bit more time for you to think about is you. I have heard you talk at times, and you mentioned it just now as well, this was the Holy Spirit. And I want you to speak as much as you can. I know it's top of mind and a question, but how do you see the Holy Spirit work? How, mm-hmm. how has the Holy Spirit worked in your life? How do you identify when the Spirit is moving? Anything that comes to mind in regards to how the Holy Spirit works as well. I know okay. that's a deeper question Ooh, too. All right. That's a lot. But first, first family. Okay, family. So Adolfo and I met in 2014. We were a blind date set up. And it was like a whole weekend blind date um, because I had traveled to North Carolina to meet him and stayed with my friend, Nadia. Y'all just met in 2014? Yes. I, did, yes. I thought, I thought, yes, God, that whole marriage thing about me at 14, <laughs> boys were scared of me my whole life, <laughs> like, my whole life. They did so. not know what they were missing. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but I knew he was a catch within two weeks. I had like fallen in love with him and I was actually destined to be off in the mission field. I had gotten approval to go full time to Guatemala and I was going to move there in like August and I met him in May. So it was the Holy Spirit saying, all right, you, you said send me, but maybe I have this in store for you that you've been praying for your whole life. Wow. And so I called my preacher at Ethos at the time, Dave Clayton, mm-hmm. sobbing on the phone. And I was like, I'm going to let my church down if I don't go to Guatemala. But like, oh, my God. But uh, I definitely fell in love. And, uh, yes. this, is, this is a true story. <laughs> ENFG all through. Yeah. So um, I got married to Adolfo in 2015 and we started remodeling houses, which was a lot of fun and crazy. And we now have um, Airbnbs in the houses that we remodeled. So that's been an adventure and a little side hustle for us. Um, In 2018, or no, I guess in the fall of 2017, we met a little boy named Dawson who was a neighbor and <clears throat> didn't have anybody to consistently care for him. And um, actually the day that I met him told me that nobody wanted him. Mm. And How it old was he at broke the time? my heart. Uh, four. He was four years old at the time. Um, I, I always bust out in tears when I talk about it. So right, I'm just going to like take a breath. Um, you picked the right two. So. <laughs> <laughs> Dawson, well done. So, um, <laughs> 
I was in denial for a couple weeks after I met him and then I called Adolfo and I was like we have to do something and then of course I'm sobbing and like almost like wreck on the freeway because I'm sobbing driving down the highway um so I pulled over and collected myself but then we decided to reach out to the family that was kind of involved with him and figure out what was going on and he proceeded to just kind of become a little part of the family he came on all of our Christmas stuff with my immediate family my aunts and uncles and parents bought him Christmas gifts and he hung out with me all of that next spring while I was very pregnant with Oliver (laughs) and I remember him sitting in my lap and like pushing on my belly and Oliver was kicking in my belly and um, so then we had Oliver in June of that year and saw him a couple times Um, Dawson came and met the baby and we threw him a birthday party that August and then he started pre-k and things kind of went south for him and um we found out again that things were not going well and we just offered to help and it's it turned out that a neighbor actually had custody of him and she was elderly and didn't want to maintain custody so she just turned custody over to us Mm. so we went down to the courthouse and for fifty dollars we bought a child basically yeah um they what sent year was this? 2018. Okay. So I had a four-month-old baby, yeah. and um, we got custody of Dawson. Um, they sent a DCS worker to the house, and um, one-hour interview, and they just wanted to make sure we had a bed and toys and clothes, and that that's was a, like it. That's a next-level carrying others story. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, then, let's see, in that next spring, we ended up fostering his brothers for a little while. He had two younger siblings. But then they went back to another family um, who actually had custody of them. Um, and some big mess happened on that, but <clears throat> they ended up turning custody over to us in September when I was pregnant with Gabriel um, <laughs> of the next year. So 2019, I guess we got custody of them. And um, through Hayes Holland, a friend that we were in life group with, we connected with a family that was looking to adopt and they were just like a match made in heaven for these kiddos. So the two younger boys went to um, Brian and Cindy, our friends, and um, we see them a couple times a year and the kids get to play together and they now have another daughter as well. So they've got three adopted kids and we formally adopted Dawson with Leanne's help and he became Dawson Raphael. He selected his own middle name. It's um, an angel name from the Apocrypha and it means God is healed. Mm. Um, and like there's a lot of healing that um, that needed <laughs> <laughs> that was needed in his story in particular. Yeah. But I was praising the Lord because I told God when we took custody of his younger siblings that they couldn't be in my house anymore by the time I had Gabriel. (laughs) So (laughs) they each had some really special needs and needed a lot of attention, and so did Dawson. So we were just stressed trying to deal with a four-month-old, or I guess he was a year and a half old then, Oliver, and and then our six-year-old and two littles and um, me pregnant and working here <laughs> full time, starting a job in the fall of 2019. It was a mess. I don't know why we do things all at the same time. We, we also moved into a new house, like <laughs> taking new children, get That's a new right. job, moving into a new house, there like why not? Um, but you know, God took care of that. He placed them in their home in February and um, and then um, Gabriel came in April. So. So I played a small game with myself just now, which was to ask both of those questions at the same time. Yeah. Because I knew the, the answer to the question about your family 
would also answer the question of how the Holy Spirit works as yeah. well and bring color to our listeners in regards to if you've never been a part of knowing the Spirit doing something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you can speak to the second question as well, but I want you to speak specifically to there is a lot of complication and mess and tension and struggle and trial in that story right there's lots there right. and there's probably a lot of frustration and anxiousness and how's this going to work out and all those things the biggest and, wrestling match i've ever had with god in my yes. whole life <laughs> i yes, mean all, uh, all of that going on <laughs> looking looking back why why was it beneficial what what involved in that and, and to our listener to our live audience what i want them to hear is something that happens when you when you carry other people's stories, when you get involved in these messy types of things, what what is the benefit? Why do, why do you still do it in a lot of ways Ugh. too? And yeah. is that, because that is the spirit working in you. I mean, that's the spirit alive and well. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I can look back over the last five years um, of my life and I can say that I have clearly seen the hand of the Holy Spirit pushing and prompting and leading. It has also been the season for me of the biggest growing pains in my life and in my spiritual growth. Um, <clears throat> I I love the way that the Spirit works because there there have been moments in my life, and especially once I got married to Adolfo and all of these things with kids was coming up. Um, there was there was no decision. It was it was an obvious choice. It was like this is a no-brainer kind of thing and we're in prayer about things and we're listening to that intuition that I think is the prompt of the Holy Spirit often um and and it's well of course like these children they need family they need family that will teach them to love the Lord because they have had generations of people in jail and drug use in their history and so God has a new plan for them, and how do how would we? There is no way that you say no to that, mm-hmm. um, and and it has been hard. It it continues to be hard, and will continue to be hard in so many ways. Um, but there are those moments where you get those glimpses yeah. that like things are clicking, and and things are gro- and like the child is growing, and I'm growing, and I'm not so angry at the child anymore <laughs> all the time. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've seen the Holy Spirit working in, in me to be a better version of myself immensely over the last several years. Yeah, we, it's such an interesting concept on earth, that, but it's so true that we grow the most in times of tension and brokenness. We learn more yeah. about ourselves, we learn more about others, we learn more about God in this creative space of carrying other people's stories or engaging in other people's stories, especially when they are in need, Mm -hmm. to actively engage in the brokenness of our earth gives us glimpses of redemption. We get get to be a part of that. And when we do that, that's the spirit alive and well is in those redemptive circumstances too. Mm -hmm. And that's so hard for us to understand because we all work so hard for as much earthly comfort as we can find and it's like that and we think those are the glimpses of heaven you know Mm -hmm. the the times of ease and comfort and all those kind of things when actually the glimpses of heaven are what it feels like to be a part of redemption and that's when the spirit's working as well and you have so many stories 
in regards to that just because of who God has made you to be as well. So I appreciate you sharing all that with us as well. Yeah. All right, questions from our audience. Thoughts, comments? I have a comment. When you were trying to describe, <clears throat> Julie, when you were trying to explain, it's just the way I've always been. God put that in you. That is God's gift to you. Yeah. And because you, of your willingness to use it, you've become God's gift to the world. Thank it's you, Rebecca. Gift. And it is just, um, <clears throat> there's a part of your story I'd like to add, but I don't have to. Oh, go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> Permission granted. Is this, are you going to add some things that we need, need to be on the record? Because if so. Uh, you can repeat it if you want to. Okay. But, um, just the level of her devotion to taking the best care possible of people. Financially, it would have been a lot more expedient not to adopt Raphael, to let him be a foster child and to keep getting money from the state. But they knew he needed the security of adoption. Mm. And so they gave up that monthly check. Could you continue to give up that monthly check? Could you describe that? Do you, do you, could you say what yeah, the, what, yeah, what Rebecca's absolutely, implying? Yeah, absolutely. That? So we had custody of our son, and nobody else was ever going to be able to get custody of him. But he had seen us have his brothers, and then they were adopted out. He had seen his other family members um, making a lot of really difficult and bad choices. And I think for his own attachment to us, he needed to be an Obregon. Mm -hmm. He needed to have his name changed. He needed to have the security that he wasn't going anywhere because he was, he was a particularly difficult kid. Mm -hmm. And when you're a difficult kid and you're in a home where they could just turn custody over to somebody else again, that, that feels like, well, I might just keep behaving this way until they pull that trigger and then I don't have to worry about it anymore yeah. because they've given up on me then and I can just move on. So he needed to know that we weren't going to give up. He yeah. needed to have our name and to be our son. And um, so that meant bye-bye 10 care and the things that come along <laughs> with being, you know, having a kid that isn't adopted. Um, and since we didn't do through the traditional foster care system, there wasn't any extra support or any help with the adoption. So friends here at church actually fundraised for us and helped us afford what we were doing to adopt him. And um, since he's been adopted, he started to go by Raphael instead of Dawson. <laughs> oh, wow. So at school, he's got the nickname Rafi, and oh, his cool. buddies call him that at Boy Scouts and school and Bible camps and here at church. And so it's really cool because he's – latched on to the God has healed and he yeah. is living into that and and has to be reminded of it often but is is living into that new name that's amazing so yeah and I've seen you time and time again make choices that don't if you took all the earthly circumstances and finances and this and everything that clearly leads to a certain decision but I've seen you time and time again work with people and families and situations to have a different driver have, have a little different indicator of what the decision needs to be. In this case, a security and, and, uh, and just the mindset of the child overplayed all of those other things that could happen. And you do have an unbelievable unique uniqueness to gauge all of those and figure out this is a decision that needs to be made, even though we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, right? right. How exactly it's going to happen. And yeah. again, that's, that's you being in step and in tune with the Holy Spirit so much. So again, it's really fun to be around you, Julia, <laughs> at the end of the day. 
<laughs> so let's pivot just a little bit. And there's a lot of things you navigate. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot, all of these stories that you're a part of. What do you do to replenish? What do you do for fun? What do, do you do? You go home and just zone into Netflix. Do you, you know, what do you do to try to, um, to try to, you know, because you're carrying all these stories, you know, yeah, and it can, I'm yeah. sure it can feel like the weight of the world uh, that you've got on your shoulders sometimes. Yeah, what do you like? what so do you do? that's, again, one of those multi-layer things. Um, when I am doing well, I bump over into my very creative space. I think it's an Enneagram four, maybe okay. that where right. I bu- like bump wing. into like this, wing. yeah, a little wing over there. Little, little wing and I four. love painting and crafting and putting on music and dancing with the kids and doing things like that. Yeah. Um, this week, I got to stay home with Gabriel on Thursday, and we were playing Paw Patrol and rescuing yeah, Princess Sky from the Pillow Tower. I, I mean, an, that was an important day. <laughs> it I'm was glad. an important day, and, and so. <laughs> everything played out well, right? The rescue yes. was complete. Yes, Good. he had a very straight vision of what was about to happen in that <laughs> playtime. <laughs> I could That's not awesome. deviate him in any way. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but then, you know, at nights. Adolfo and I will sit down and watch a show, and that's yeah. a great way for us to kind of decompress after we've gotten the kids in bed. What are you and Dolphin watching right now? What's, what's, um, what's only the... Murders in the Building. Yep. Yeah, it's great. We really like it. That's good. You got a good response from the live audience in regards to Only yeah, Murders in the Building. Yeah, we just started well. season three. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, do you read books? Do you watch movies? I used to sit with a physical book and read. I loved, loved reading. But I don't have time for that in my life anymore. So I've moved to audiobooks yeah. and I've been consuming them like like it's going out of style. That's like awesome. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I've been going through the Outlander series yeah. and I've been going through the Last Kingdom series lately. Yeah. And then I've been reading some like other nonfiction books on the side yeah. and yeah. Um, things about parenting, things about marriage, things about women in church and leadership. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah, a little yeah. bit of this, a yeah, little bit of that. Fantastic. That's Adolfo awesome. and I spit around and talk about some of the theology, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, he's been reading the blue parakeet lately, which, and also how not to read the Bible and reading the Bible through Western eyes, bunch yeah. of really good books. Yeah. So yeah. Have Adolfo on the podcast too, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting one. Um, what's, what's next for you guys? What's on the horizon? What are you looking for in 2024? Is it simply more of the same, maybe a little bit more, of sustainability of the same what what is it what's on the horizon and also things we can be praying for you guys for yeah um so we moved into a new house in april of this year Mm -hmm. so still unpacking boxes and feeling like slowly we're getting settled so like last week adolfo finally hung some things on the walls but we just hadn't gotten around to yet by the way hanging Um, things on the walls is a recipe for intense moments of fellowship with me and my wife That sounds like a story we need to hear more about. Every single, every <laughs> single time. I'm not even going to look over at her right now. She knows. She know. Yeah, no, so just kind of having a little bit of a, a break from things like moving and shuffling our lives around yeah. would be really good. And just let the kids spread their legs in our nice big yard and have some fun and grow and mature. I think, mm-hmm. you know, some of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Any questions? We got a couple minutes left. Any thoughts? Any comments from our live audience? How Go ahead, Dwayne. How long did it take you to hang your last picture? 
How long did it take you to hang your glass? <laughs> that was oh, for you, no, Wes. No, 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 no. I am not being interviewed right now. <laughs> nor, nor do I need an argument. Another argument in my house right now. But thank you. And a long time. <laughs> and the last one did not get hung. <laughs> That's right. Good question. All right, Julie, can we, uh, any, any other final comments you'd like to share with our listeners or anything like that? You, you, you are, it's amazing to watch you behind the scenes. And I don't know what, <coughs> what you feel, how the job and things that you do at the church, but I'm, I guarantee you everything you do is recognized way beyond what you actually know as mm-hmm. well. And we see you constantly doing things and being a part of people's stories and all that kind of stuff. And we are all so incredibly thankful for that uh, as well. So our listener, whether you're at Woodmont or not, if you want to engage in carrying other stories, Julie's got some great volunteer roles for you, yes, I'm sure. Yes, I do, yeah. yeah. And I would say, you know, I like seeing people live into their giftedness. Mm. And so if you have a desire to find a way to serve, I would love to get you connected serving in a way that would be fulfilling and really rewarding for you living into the things that God has gifted you to do. Oof, that's strong. All right, let's have a quick prayer over Julie and Adolfo, and uh, then we'll draw to a conclusion this morning. Lord God, thank you so much for the time you give us this morning. And God, I am just uh, always amazed at how your spirit works. I thank you so much for individuals like Julie uh, who wake up looking for how you are at work and how we can be a part of those stories and how she brings others into those stories as well. I'm amazed at just as the smallest things that sometimes happen where we didn't have a podcast guest this morning, but golly, I didn't even know we needed to hear the things that were uh, inside of Julie and the things that are on her heart as well. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for the way she and Adolfo uh, lead, uh, not only uh, just in their ministry, uh, in the works that they do, but just by example. Uh, and how they lead in in seeking you uh, in in everything that they do. Um, Pray you bring them a lot of love, joy, peace, uh, contentment uh, over this holiday season and into the new year, Uh, that a lot of the things they have going and and settling into a new home uh, and navigating a lot of energy uh, with kids as well, Pray you uh, uh, settle settle that, uh, give them the time and margin to step back uh, and see the good that you're doing in each of those circumstances and situations. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the time this morning, and we pray all these things because of Jesus. Amen.